Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 80. It also brings us to the third of five outbursts of praise that surround the conception and the ultimate birth of the Messiah. Let's take a look and then we'll break it down beginning with verse 67. And his father, that is John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, he's holding his baby John, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace it is at this point that his song concludes and Luke adds this capstone he says and the child speaking of John the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Day, like Mary's song that we reviewed a few weeks ago. It's called The Magnificent. Zachariah's song has been given a title as well. It's been given the title Benedictus. And that, that title was given to it based on the first line of verse 68, which says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. When that, when that was translated... Into the Latin Vulgate, it was rendered Benedictus Dominus Deus Israel. Which is fitting, given that this song that Zechariah sings is the bringing down of the curtain, as it were, on all of God's preparatory work that leads to the actual birth of his Messiah. Verse 67 tells us that the words that are pouring out of Zechariah are the result of his being filled with the Holy Spirit who moved upon him to prophesy. And in this particular case, when we see this word prophesy, it's about him speaking forth the words of God. And what he speaks can basically be broken down into three stanzas which praise God for his faithfulness in keeping three specific salvific covenants that he made in preparation for the birth of Christ. I want to share those three covenants with you today. And I am praying that the Holy Spirit will allow us to, for all of us, to see what I was able to see this week as I was studying and writing, because it's so thrilling as we see it all come together. The first covenant is, that is mentioned, it's not the first in the line of covenants, 
but it's mentioned here in verses 68 through 71, and it's the covenant that David that God made with David, King David of Israel. Now, that covenant uh, is found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17, and we don't have time today to dissect that covenant, so I'm not even going to try. You can go back and read it for yourself, but let me just give you the big picture overview uh, of that covenant. Three points that I want to bring forth. God promised David that he would give to him a throne, a kingdom, and that that throne and kingdom would last forever. Now that's amazing because David wasn't going to last forever, at least not in his physical body. Like my father, he, he, he passed away as well. And he still lives, but not physically. And so it was, a, it was an interesting covenant. It wasn't just to him, but to his offspring. So, so God promised him a throne and a kingdom that would last forever. He also promised him a righteous heir who would establish that eternal throne and kingdom and would be able to maintain it eternally. So these are promises. And then finally, God promised David that he himself, that God would make sure that these promises were fulfilled. Now that's the Davidic covenant. As Zechariah stands holding his son John, he remembers what Gabriel said to him about ten months earlier. That his son would be the one who would go before the Messiah. As he contemplated what Mary told he and Elizabeth as she visited with them after she had been visited by Gabriel... He remembered what she said about her pregnancy, that it was an act of God, that he had conceived the Messiah in her womb. Zechariah saw both of these things as indisputable signs that, that what God had promised David hundreds of years early were finally coming true. God, in fact, was visiting his people in the person of the Messiah who was presently growing in Mary's womb. He would be the one who would bring redemption for his people. He would be the horn of salvation that God was raising up from the house of David. Now that statement right there I think is quite interesting. We don't talk that way. Horn of salvation. What in the world is that all about? Well, it is an odd statement to our ears, but it's found throughout the Bible. And when... A horn is talked about in this kind of a context in Scripture. It's meant to bring to mind the strength of deliverance that is symbolized in the horns of an animal, like an ox or a buffalo. If you've ever watched a nature show that has shown you a horned animal as they uh, get somewhat upset and they're about to attack, uh, you find that they lower their head and they begin to swing those horns kind of rhythmically. If you can, they begin to swing those horns rhythmically. They begin to, to scuff the earth with their hoof. When that starts happening, it's a sign that they're about to make a deadly charge. That they are bringing together everything within them and their muscles are tensing up and they are ready to release some immense power. What Zechariah is saying here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus is like that buffalo 
or that ox. He is the horn of salvation. He is the mighty deliverer of God who redeems his people from sin's curse by his own blood and ultimately destroys his enemies to establish an everlasting kingdom that brings peace and prosperity to the redeemed. The signs that this covenant of David is secure and on the cusp of fulfillment is lying in his arms in the baby John who is the forerunner and is growing even at that moment in the womb of his wife's cousin Mary who is bringing the Christ child into the world, Jesus. He sings about the government, the throne, the kingdom of the Messiah. He goes on in verses 72 through 75 to make mention of the Abrahamic covenant as well. Long before David came on the scene, God touched the life of a pagan Armenian idolater named Abram. God later changed his name to Abraham. It's interesting when you read the story of Abraham, out of all of the inhabitants of the earth at the time, God called him. And he was not a righteous man. He was an idolater. He was a worshiper of many gods. He did not know Jehovah. But Jehovah revealed himself to Abram. And he brought Abram to a place of understanding. He chose him out of all the inhabitants of the earth to receive a promise. And that promise is found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, also chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. Again, we don't have time in this setting to go and tear all that apart. I would invite you to read that later, but just like I did with the Davidic covenant, let me give you the the overview here of the Abrahamic covenant. God promised Abraham these things, that he would create a new and great nation through him. That he was picking him out because he was going to create a brand new race, a brand new people group. And, and he promised that this people group would have, he, that there would just be just millions and millions of them. And also he made a specific promise about a specific land and said, I will give you this land. Also, God uh, said that through Abraham's offspring, that all the nations, and there when we think of nations, we don't want to think about geographic nations, we want to think about people groups. All the people groups of the earth would be blessed. Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to everyone. Oh, it's not going to be you specific. It's going to be one who comes from you. And so there's the connection. But there will be one who comes who will bless all the people of the earth. And you know, he comes out at the end with the same promise to Abraham that was made to David. Or should I say he made the same promise to David that he made to Abraham because Abraham came before David. And that is, I, I, God, I will make sure that these promises I'm making to you will come to pass. Now again, we're, we're here looking at, at, at Zechariah. And he's the one singing this song. And remember who he is. He is a priest of Israel. So he was well taught in the law, in the prophets, and in the writings, which by the way is what the Old Testament was called before there was a New Testament. So back in those days, it wasn't an Old Testament. It was just the law, the prophets, and the writings. And he was familiar with the covenants that God had made. But in this instance, 
It is the Holy Spirit who's empowering him to see how John's birth and Jesus' impending birth are bringing the fulfillment of these covenants to pass. You see, when God told Abraham that in him all the nations would be blessed, he was pointing to a specific offspring. A specific one who would come through the line of this new people that God is bringing forth through Abraham. That one specific Jew... The descendant from Abraham was at that moment growing in the womb of Mary. His life, his death, his resurrection would make him a wellspring of mercy that God promised to bring to his people. His redemptive work would deliver God's people, both Jews and Gentiles, from the hand of their enemy. And do you know who our real enemy is, church? You may look beside you and see your wife and think she's your enemy. Or, wives, you may look beside you and see your husband and think he's your enemy. And parents, you might look at your kids and think they're the real enemy. No. No. The real enemy, and he's the, it's the enemy of everyone, is sin and spiritual death. And the redemptive work of God through Jesus is intended to deliver repentant people from the hand of their enemy. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.